Bibles, if you would, and open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 this morning, and we'll be working through uh, verses 12 uh, through 19. Follow along then as I read the Word of God. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. For we are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, whom he did not raise from the dead, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then not even Christ has been raised. For if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most pitied. Let's pray this morning. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we ask this morning that you would instruct us from your word. That you would teach us and and encourage us, build us up in the faith. Remind us that these things that we believe and confess, uh, they are true. And because they are true, they make all the difference in the world. That Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again bodily from the dead. And because they make all the difference in the world, Lord, we ask that they would make all the difference in our life. That we would unswervingly and unhesitantly confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That He reigns at the right hand of the Father and rules over all of creation. That He has put all things under His, you have put all things under His feet and yet the last enemy that will be put under His feet that will be finally vanquished and destroyed is death itself. We praise You for this. We praise You for the great hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Give us this morning a taste, a palpable taste of that, that great hope that we have that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. In your name we pray. Amen. When I was a kid, and I still do it some, I uh, collected comic books. And um, there was this one comic book that was called What If? That was the title. And they took your favorite stories from from the comic books and from Captain America and all of these guys, and they would they would rewrite them and they would say, what if and then they would say if such and such happened. So what if the bad guy won this battle? They do this, too, in in science fiction. They will write stories about alternative histories. What if uh, Adolf Hitler and the Germans had won World War II. What kind of world would we be living in? What if a certain battle here or there during the Civil War was lost or won or the outcome was different and we still lived in a country now that was divided into two nations? What if? Those things can be fun exercises to do. Uh, sometimes in debate, sometimes in logic and in arguments, you will take an opposing person's view and you will argue it through to its conclusion to show them how absurd their initial proposition is. So you say, OK, fine, if you believe that, let's follow these conclusions out. What if that was true? Well, then this would be true and this would be true and this would follow. And we don't want that 
Therefore, you see what you believe can't be true. In our passage this morning, that is exactly what Paul does. He says, what if it were true as you are saying that there is no resurrection of the dead, that people that are di- have died are gone and they will stay in the grave forever? What are the consequences of that wrong view? Of that false belief. And he very simply and very plainly walks us down this path to say, you don't want to go that direction because you end up denying the gospel. And if Jesus Christ didn't rise from the dead, there is literally no hope for us, as Paul says. So we want to ask the question this morning, what assurance do I have that it is not pointless to believe in the Christian faith? The simple answer to that is the resurrection. If you take Paul's argument to its conclusion, he says, if Christ hasn't raised from the dead, we are pitiful, we are without hope, our faith is in vain. Therefore, how do I know my faith isn't in vain? Well, what has happened? Christ rose from the dead. Conversely, again, we can follow Paul's logic and ask the question this way. What would happen to my Christian life, to my Christian faith, to everything we do here on a Sunday, through the week, to our ministry, what would happen if I dispensed with the resurrection of Jesus? Now, some of you might be saying, well, Pastor, of course I would never do that. I know the silliness of that. But we forget that there are people out there and there are churches out there and there are people that claim to be Christians out there that want to say, well, we know that dead people don't rise from the dead. And those silly ancient Christians, they just misunderstood what happened. If we get rid of the resurrection of the dead of the Lord Jesus Christ, we might as well pack it all in here on a Sunday and not get together. We should go out and party on Saturday nights. Paul even says, if there is no resurrection of the dead, we should eat, drink, and be merry. So let's move through this passage and keep those two questions in mind, if you will. First this morning, if the resurrection of the dead is impossible, then Christ was not raised from the dead. So we looked a little bit at this last week. I just mentioned this verse. But but some of the Corinthians were saying, there is no resurrection of the dead. Now, I don't know how far they thought this all out. Uh, We don't know exactly then what they would have said about Christ. Uh, I have a suspicion. I don't know this for sure, but it almost seems like they themselves hadn't thought it through. Uh, The Corinthian Corinth was a Greek town surrounded by a lot of Greek thinking and thought and philosophy and, and ways of acting. And they probably just had a whole lot of people around them and that said, hey, dead people don't rise from the dead. They probably went along with it. Well, of course, dead people don't rise from the dead. So some of them were saying this in the church. So Paul challenges them. Now, if Christ is proclaimed raised from the dead, this is foundational, first importance to the gospel, as we saw last week. If Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? N.T. Wright, a scholar who has written a a very large book looking at the resurrection and what was believed in Greek culture and what the scriptures say, he writes this, Christianity was born into a world where its central claim was known to be false. 
Many people believed the dead were non-existent. Outside of Judaism, nobody believed in resurrection. Everybody knew people didn't and couldn't come back bodily from uh, come back to bodily life. Sometimes we think that that the people in the ancient world were, were so superstitious, they would have easily believed something like this. It's really not true. They would have struggled with this issue just as much as as people today understand aspects of science. And and we realize that a that a body without life and cells without power do not simply magically regenerate and come back to life. We have people today that mock the resurrection. I have friends from high school that around the time of Easter will occasionally make jokes about Jesus being some kind of zombie coming out of the grave. We have scientists today that will tell you, of course, dead people don't come back from the dead. That's precisely the point of Christianity. We know that dead people don't come back from the dead. And yet we say this actually did happen to Jesus. And until the Lord returns, it's not going to happen again. But God has the power to do these things. Belief in the bodily resurrection is mocked today just as much as it was. So when we just as much as it was in the ancient world. So when we go through this, keep in mind that Paul is writing to the very kind of problem that we face in our day. And the temptation might be to compromise ourselves and say, well, let's redefine what resurrection means. Maybe it was Jesus becoming spiritually alive. Maybe it was Jesus just going to heaven when he died. Now, Jesus' body was brought back to life by God the Father. Jesus walked around. They went to the tomb and it was not there. And we cannot abandon this truth. So Paul says, but if there, Paul goes on and, and the argument is, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised from the dead. So the Corinthians are are denying some kind of future resurrection. Some kind of, hey, after we all die, unless the Lord returns, we come back to life. We get resurrected bodies just like Jesus. And the Corinthians, whatever they were doing in their beliefs about the end time, they were saying, there is no future resurrection of the body. That's not what's in store for us. That's not ahead of us. And so the argument is for Paul, if that there in the future can't happen, if there is no resurrection of the dead that awaits us, then Jesus Christ wasn't raised from the dead. Look at verse 13. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. So Paul is, as I said earlier, making an inference from logic. If what you said about the future resurrection is true, let us follow that conclusion to its logical end. Then it must be true, according to your faulty thinking, that Jesus Christ isn't raised from the dead. You see, you cannot get rid of the resurrection of the dead, the future resurrection, because if you do, you have to deny that Jesus did not rise from the dead. This is just an important reminder to us. What is our ultimate hope? 
Our first hope is that when we go to heaven or when we die, should we die before the Lord returns, our body goes into the grave, but our, our soul, our spirit does go to heaven. I want to be really clear on that. You, you do go to heaven when you die. However, your ultimate hope, the final goal, the thing that you want most of all that we should most look forward to is not being in heaven as a spirit, but being with the Lord Jesus Christ in a resurrected body. See, our body being in the grave and our spirit being in heaven, while that will be a glorious thing to be in God's presence, it is just temporary. It is the intermediate state. It lasts for a time. And when the Lord returns, those who have died in Christ and are in his presence come back with him and their bodies that stayed here on earth, which many will have turned to fine powdery dust by then, their bodies are raised up and their soul and spirit is united with the body and it's a resurrection body. It's the resurrection of the dead, just like Jesus experienced. Paul tells us as well that those who are still alive at that time, we jump right to the resurrection. No, no intermediate state for us. We just get a resurrected body if we're still alive uh, when the Lord returns. And so 2 Corinthians 5.8 says, Yes, we are of good courage. We would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So it's a good thing to die as a Christian because we, while we're away from the body, we go to be with the presence of the Lord. Uh, but there's an even better thing that happens later. After the temporary state, after the intermediate state, the final hope is the resurrection of the body. And because that is the moment when death is finally undone. It's reversed, if you will. And it's reversed and defeated in such a way that the body that we will have will not grow old, will not be cursed by sin, and will never die again. And that future resurrection, and we'll talk about this a little more next week, that future resurrection is connected to the fact that Jesus Christ, after he paid for our sins, he rose again from the dead. Paul says it this way at the end of our chapter, when the perishable puts on imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass what is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you ever notice that in the book of Revelation, the saints of those who have died cry out before the throne their their prayers ascend like smoke before the throne of God. They're in a good place. They're dwelling with the Lord. And yet they're waiting for the final victory. The resurrection. The defeat of evil. The ultimate end where then God will make a, a new creation ultimately. Your hope for the future, then, is grounded on what actually happened to the Lord Jesus after his death. 
If Jesus Christ stayed in the grave, if Jesus Christ was still in the grave, there would be no Christian hope. If nothing happened after he died, we have nothing to put our faith and trust in. Conversely, you know the gospel and you know the message that's proclaimed in it. That Jesus Christ died for sins. He was buried and he rose again on the third day. All of these things according to Scripture. All of these things, as Paul says, is uh, uh, matters of, of first importance. This is where Christianity differs from every other religion. We have a concrete event that we look towards. There is a historical situation, a moment. Jesus dies and He rises again from the dead. Your hope is not grounded in, in mushy feelings. Your hope is not grounded in whether or not you have a positive attitude. Faith is, is not an, an action of, of feeling good about life, being upbeat as you look at things. Faith is looking towards the person. And if that person didn't die on the cross and rise again from the dead, you have no sure anchor. The flip side of that is, your assurance is grounded in something that actually happened. Your feelings might go up sometimes as a Christian. Your feelings might go really far down sometimes as a Christian. You might not feel saved. You might not feel like God loves you. You might be in a moment of despair. You might be at your last straw, feeling like you're holding on to faith with just one little finger anymore. But your faith is looking at the Lord Jesus Christ who conquered sin and death. You're not trusting in your ability to hold Him. You're trusting that He defeated death and rose again from the dead. And that makes all the difference. Your assurance is Christ and His resurrection. Second this morning, if Christ was not raised from the dead, then the preaching of the Gospel is, is meaningless and faith is in vain. If Christ wasn't raised from the dead, why am I up here every week? I'm not a good storyteller. I remember one time in a sermon, I tried to tell a joke. And it bombed. And I made a joke then about how I couldn't tell jokes. And everybody laughed. And I said, thank goodness I am not a stand-up comedian. I'm here to preach the gospel. The word of God. So preaching and belief is in vain if Christ has not been raised. Look at verse 14. If Christ has not been vain, then our, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. So follow the logic down the path, if you will. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ hasn't been raised from the dead. And if Christ hasn't been raised from the dead, why do we preach? It's pointless. Why do we believe your faith is in vain? The idea here of, of being in vain means without purpose, without value, worthless, empty. 
There are people that think that Christianity can, can change its beliefs, can change what we think about the resurrection because now we live in a scientific age and we know that dead bodies don't come back and we don't have to follow silly superstitions, they would say. But we can come to church and hold our traditions and even do communion and sing good hymns and play songs and, and we can be spiritual people. And even we can be people of faith. Our faith is directed at a person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if that person didn't rise from the dead, all of it is meaningless, worthless, and empty. Give it up. Pack it in. Go home. We won't be back next Sunday. That's how important the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is. Notice that preaching not only is important, so I'd have nothing to say. So what? A guy died on the cross. Sometimes people die. Couldn't do anything about it. Couldn't come back from the dead. Couldn't actually defeat things. So why preach about Jesus? There have been other guys in history that have come along and claimed to be the Messiah. And they died. And guess what? Their followers aren't here 2,000 years later. Preaching's in vain if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. Your faith is in vain. So you think about how, how people, on the, when Jesus is on the cross, they, they mock Him and they say, He saved others, let Him save Himself. If He's the Son of God, His chosen one. Now, of course, God's plan was that He should die and rise again from the dead. But the reality is, if Christ didn't rise from the dead, we could say those same things. He saved, himself, he saved others, but He couldn't save Himself. Why should I trust Him? He died. It's done. No hope. Sin still would exist. Death still goes on. And I have no future hope either. If Christ didn't rise from the dead. So if Christ had not been raised from the dead, thus even more so, the preaching of the apostles is in vain. One of the things that we think Paul, before he preached the gospel as a Pharisee, since he knew his Old Testament, he knew that someone who died on a cross, someone who was hung from a tree or some kind of wood implement like a cross is, is under the curse of God, according to Deuteronomy 21. And so this is one of the reasons he was so adamant that Jesus wasn't the Messiah. God cursed him. And God did curse him. He bore the weight of our sins. But then Paul encounters the resurrected Christ and realizes that God raised him up, removing that curse because he has paid for sins. And Paul went on and he preached it. But notice what he says in verse 15. We are found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead if he did not raise, uh, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. So again, keep in mind, Paul believes in the resurrection of Jesus. He is arguing, what are the consequences if we don't have a resurrection of Jesus? And Paul says, we're liars then. He's verse 16, for if the dead are not raised, then not even Christ has been raised. He keeps repeating that. So we would get this idea of this really matters. 
holding to a future resurrection and holding to the resurrection of Jesus really matters. And he says, we're liars. We testified. He says, we, we are now found, if, if Christ isn't raised, we are found to be misrepresenting God because we testified. So, so all the apostles and those 500 people that he mentioned last week as we looked at the sermon uh, a few verses earlier, they had seen the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They are all liars. But not just liars. Really bad liars. Some lies, in a sense, are, are worse than others. Now, all sin is sin in the eyes of God. But if you lie in a court of law, you get yourself in a lot more trouble than if you lie to your parents at home. If one of my kids, if I ask them, did you eat the cookie before dinner? And they lie and I find out they get in trouble. But if you are sworn into oath in a court of law, and I checked all the legalese yesterday with Helen, but in the state of PA, it's a third uh, degree felony. Not the highest felony you can have, but it's a felony to lie under oath. And you can get thrown in jail for seven years. Federal law, it is a, a crime, a felony to lie under oath. You can get arrested by a police officer and lie to the cop. That's sin. Don't do it. It's wrong. But it's at a whole other level of lying. If you get sworn in on the witness stand and you knowingly commit perjury, you knowingly lie and say something happened when it didn't happen or say something didn't happen when it did happen. And then if they find out about it, you are in big, big trouble. These guys claim to be witnesses, to be testifying something about God. God being the, the judge of the universe. And in His court, as His representatives to the people of earth, being given a message, if, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead and they were all walking around saying, you know, I solemnly swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, Jesus rose again from the dead. And that didn't happen? How much worse are their sins? This is not just lying to your parents about stealing the cookie. That's a sin too. This is lying to God about God. Saying God did something when he didn't do something. This is, this is on par with, with the Israelite generation when they, when they are around Mount Sinai and they make that golden calf and they say, this is the God that brought us out of Egypt. I mean, that is blasphemy because God, Yahweh in heaven was the one. And they said, no, this thing did it. Well, now, if Jesus isn't raised from the dead, the apostles are saying God did something when he didn't really do something. You're you're on the verge of blaspheming God under oath, as it were. The very first preaching of the gospel in Acts chapter 2, Jesus, uh, Peter says, This Jesus God raised up, and of that we 
are all witnesses. They are witnesses. When Paul tells us, when the Word of God tells us that Jesus rose again from the dead, we can trust that because it comes from God. We know that it happened because God Himself has now testified to it. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4 says this, But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the Gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God whom tests our hearts. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the Word of God you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the Word of men, but as what it really is, the Word of God which is at work in you, believers. When you hear that Jesus Christ died and rose again from the dead, you are hearing the Gospel message that was entrusted to the apostles who wrote it down for us in Scripture, which is the inspired Word of God. We need to accept it not as the Word of man. This is not something clever that that Tim Bertolette, the preacher, has come up with that will help us grow our church. This is the Word of God. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And the the dividing line, if you will, the watershed is, am I going to believe what God has said and done? Or am I going to reject Him? So I want you this morning, I want to make a couple applications for this point. First, I want you to recognize the authority by which we hear that God raised Jesus from the dead. Recognize where the authority comes from. Every week... Before we begin the sermon, I tell you, open your Bibles to Acts or Corinthians or whatever passage we're in, and we read through the verses, because this is the Word of God given to us. Not what I say, not clever stories that we can tell, not things that can make us laugh. This is the Word of God. You need to hear this morning. And remind yourself, maybe if you're struggling with the faith, maybe if you don't have faith, you need to know God Himself is telling you Jesus Christ died on the cross. He rose again from the dead. And all who put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved and not put to shame. Second, in terms of application, know this. If your faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ, your faith is not in vain. Sometimes we do get in these points in our Christian life where we do feel like our faith is in vain. Maybe things aren't going well. Maybe we're struggling. We have those moments of doubt and we wonder, is, is this pointless? Why am I believing this? Why do I believe these things if God is still letting such and such happen to me? I don't know why God walks us through all the paths that He does in our lives. But I know that God is in control. And I know that we can trust Him. And I know that the Scriptures say that those who put their faith in the Lord will not be put to shame. You won't be humiliated one day. You won't get to the end of life and die and find out there's nothing there. You'll go to heaven. 
And you'll come back one day and get a resurrected body. And all of the suffering that you go through now, all of the difficulties, all of the hardship will pale in comparison to the glories that await us with the Lord Jesus Christ. And the resurrection of the body will get because he rose again from the dead. You see, if Christ didn't rise from the dead, your faith is in vain. But Christ did rise from the dead. Your faith is not in vain. It is not pointless to hold on through those moments where you feel like it would be easier to give up. Because the Lord Jesus Christ does not forsake those who belong to Him. And then one more application before we move on to the third point is this. Be sure that when you evangelize, when you talk to people about the Gospel, be sure you bring up the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's part of the Gospel. It's a matter of first importance. John Calvin says something to the effect that, that these things are, are synodokic. They, they, that's a fancy word for saying they go together. You can't have one without the other. So whenever you talk about the cross, we, we at least have to keep in the back of their minds there's, there's the resurrection. And, and the cross is of no value if there isn't a resurrection. And, and whenever we talk about the resurrection, or even like today, a, a sermon on the resurrection, we know that that wouldn't have happened if there wasn't a cross. If God wouldn't look at Jesus bearing the curse of our sin and say, well done, my good and faithful servant, come up out of that grave. You cannot have one without the other. Don't when you share the gospel. Don't just talk about what God has done for you. I've said that in the past. But also, when you talk about Jesus dying on the cross, because that is the event that changes everything, don't neglect telling people Jesus Christ didn't stay dead. The resurrection is not merely an afterthought. Sort of like a, Jesus died. Oh yeah, by the way, he, he did come back. I mean, I mean, it's just as much part of the gospel. It should bring just as much joy and excitement. You have assurance that your sins are paid for because Jesus actually came up out of the grave. It's done. Don't forget to share that Jesus rose from the dead when you share the gospel. Third this morning, if there is no resurrection, and I've, I've sort of already been hinting at that, obviously, but if there is no resurrection, uh, there is no hope. That's what I've been hinting at. And we are still in our sins. If there is no resurrection of Christ, if Christ didn't rise from the dead, there is no hope and we are still in our sins. So faith is pointless. Look at verse 17, uh, the first part. If Christ was not raised, your faith is futile. Now, this is actually a different word that Paul is using here than the word he used earlier when he said vain. It does have the idea of being pointless, powerless, useless. The other one had, they were sort of overlapping words in their meaning. But this emphasizes the, the pointlessness of it. Not just empty and vain and in no power, but, but utterly pointless and useless. There's no reason to hold to this if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. 
Our faith is done if Jesus isn't risen from the dead. You see, the Christian faith is not a matter of how I feel. The Christian faith is is faith where, where it has an object. It's directed at a person. You are looking outside of yourself, the area of the subjective feelings. And there's nothing wrong with subjective feelings. But, but Christian faith, while it can bring this great upswell of emotion and feeling and delight, Christian faith looks at something. When I was a kid, my dad taught children's church. It's always bad when your dad's the teacher because you always get dragged in for illustrations. And one time, and I remember this illustration, he brought me up front and he had me stand up on a bench, something maybe like this. I won't stand up here because, you know, this is the table and the Bible's here. But, but he had me stand on a, like a piano bench and turn my back to him. And he told me to fall back. He was illustrating trust. And when you have trust in that kind of situation, the trust is not a feeling. Well, I feel like this might be a good thing. Your trust is in the person, in the object. I know it's my dad. If I remember correctly, I never did fall back. I don't know what that says. I, I think I was, I was scared to, you know, I'm in front of all my friends and, and stuff. But even then, and I've done those trust falls since then, and we did them all the time at camp. But when you trust in that situation, the trust is in a person. It's directed outside yourself. They are going to catch me. When you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are trusting in a person. You are trusting that what happened to that person, what we say about him is true, that he really did rise again from the dead. And because he rose again from the dead, I will one day rise again from the dead. He will save me because of what happened to him. The Christian faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is that he died for our sins and he rose from the dead and he has exhausted the penalty of sins. So, Acts chapter 2, again, the first preaching of the gospel. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pains of death. Uh, think, think, of, um, think of like uh, Houdini wrapped in like chains and, and just coming up out of that and throwing them off. Loosing the pains of death. The death is just thrown off. It's done. Then it says, because it was not possible for him, Jesus meaning, it was not possible for him to be held by it. You see why your faith is pointless if Jesus wasn't risen from the dead? Jesus is a wimp. He died. He's done. He's a failure. Why would you trust him? If one of my daughters, if I brought in my youngest daughter who's six and I stood up here, I would not trust her to catch me. I love my daughter, but she's not strong enough. She doesn't have the power and the ability 
If Jesus Christ didn't rise from the dead, he got defeated by death. He is still under the curse of sin. Why would you trust him to save you from your sins? He couldn't defeat the ultimate curse for sin, which is death. That's what it happens if you throw out and get rid of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are still in our sins even more. Look at the second half of verse 17. Look at the whole thing. But if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. What else? You are still in your sins. There is no putting away of sin. If Jesus Christ didn't rise again from the dead. He would have been defeated by the curse for our sins. It means there would still be sins for us to bear. Even more, Scripture says in in Romans chapter 4, talking about those who believe in Him, it said, it will be counted to us, uh, a righteousness will be counted to us who believe in Him who raised Jesus from the dead. So we put our faith in Jesus. We put our faith in God who raised Jesus from the dead. Then it says this about Jesus. This is Romans 4.25. Who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Two things happen in the death and resurrection of the Christ there in that verse. One, Jesus goes to the cross and he goes there because of our trespasses. When he is on the cross, he is completely innocent and he is paying for our sins. He died for in the place of because of our trespasses. Then it says he is raised up for our justification. He is raised up specifically to accomplish the purpose of us receiving the gift of righteousness. Righteousness or justification is is law court language. You go before the presence of God and he declares you not only not guilty, but he declares you righteous in good standing with the court of law. And that righteousness we have is because of the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died for our sins. And Isaiah 53 says it says that the Lord was pleased to prosper him. Rise him, raise him again from the dead. So that Jesus comes before God, the father in a resurrected body. And there is a sense in which God says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You are, as Isaiah 53 says, the righteous one. And those who put their faith in Jesus get this gift. We get to stand before God. We get now complete removal of the sins and this perfect gift of righteousness, even though inside ourselves, yet we aren't living righteously. The judge says, boom, you're righteous. You put trust in Jesus and Jesus is righteous as the resurrected one. But if Jesus didn't rise again from the dead, he can't stand before God on our behalf as the righteous one. Therefore, I can't come before God in faith and say, I need this gift of righteousness. If Christ isn't risen from the dead, it's not there. I'm still in my sins because Christ hasn't finished paying for them. If, in fact, 
Christ wasn't raised. I hope you understand that. I got really fast there and excited. But, but if, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, there is no perfect gift of righteousness that would allow you to stand before God. When you die, you wouldn't go to heaven. And there would be no future resurrection awaiting you. Look at what it says in verse 18 to that point. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. That's Paul's way of saying in Christ there. That's Paul's way of saying those who have died as Christians. I'm sure we all have a friend, a family member, a relative, someone we know, someone we love that died as a Christian and you heard the sermon at their funeral. And the pastor said, you know, as, as they believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, we trust they are there, precious in, in the sight of the Lord or the death of His godly ones. Absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. All those wonderful, comforting verses. All of it meaningless if Christ didn't rise from the dead. Perished. Gone. We're done. Their bodies in the grave. That's the end. Nothing more. If Christ didn't rise from the dead. And on top of all that, we should be most pitied. Look at verse 19. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are to be most pitied of all. We're to be pitied for a whole lot of things if Christ hasn't risen from the dead. There's no substance to the gospel. We're believing something that's empty and vain. Our faith is, is ineffective. doesn't do anything. The key witnesses, the people that we're trusting told the truth, they're liars. How pitiful is that? If Christ didn't rise from the dead, how pitiful is that? Sin is still winning. It's not defeated. How sad is that? Believers are, are irretrievably lost at death if there's no resurrection of Christ. How pathetic. On top of that, Paul will go on later on in verse 30 and 31 and say, you know, I fought, I fought beasts in Ephesus. I'm in danger every hour. What kind of pathetic life does Paul have if he has no hope outside of this life? It was grueling. He was willing to suffer for Christ because he knew the future glories that awaited him with Christ. But if Christ didn't rise from the dead, why would you do any of that? He says in verse 32, If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Live it up. Party hard. Because all we have is this life if the dead aren't raised and if Christ isn't raised. Let me give you a couple applications this morning. I want to ask this question that we started with at the beginning. What assurance do I have that it is not pointless to believe in the Christian faith? What assurance do I have that it's not pointless and meaningless to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and trust Him for the forgiveness of sins. You have the assurance that Jesus rose from the dead. Maybe there are some of you here today that are facing death, facing a loved one that, that you're expecting. Maybe 
uh, something will, will happen. They'll eventually die. If they're a believer, take this comfort with you. They are not lost at death. Maybe there are some of you here that are struggling with your faith. You're struggling with, why do I believe these things? Why do I keep trying to persevere with these things? I'm just not sure if it's worth it, all of the hardship, all of the struggle. I want you to think for a moment about the Lord Jesus Christ. He rose again from the dead. Cherish that in your mind. Mull that over a little bit. He rose again from the dead. All of that suffering that He went through, all of that bearing of my sin, and He rose again from the dead, and if I trust in Him I will receive the resurrection from the dead and I will dwell with Him in the new heavens and the new earth. Your faith has an anchor. It has a rock. It is in a person who is mighty to save. Some of you might be flirting in your walk with continuing sin. And even at moments tempted to walk away from the faith completely. Listen to a moment to the word of God. Jesus Christ died on the cross for sins. And he rose again from the dead. He has defeated sin and death. And he gives you now even as a believer a newness of life. So that you might walk in a manner obedient to him. Two closing questions I want you to ask yourself. Did Jesus rise again from the dead? This is a question that makes all the difference in the world. It's a watershed question. Did Jesus rise from the dead? Either it happened and you believe that it happened or you believe that it didn't happen. The Word of God, the Scriptures testify that Jesus rose again from the dead. At the end of the day, do you trust God? But ask yourself, did this really happen? And then ask yourself this, is my faith and trust in Jesus, this one who rose from the dead? You see, if Jesus did rise again from the dead, then He is Lord of all things, of the living and the dead, and I need to put my faith in Him. And as a believer, I need to walk in that faith. Let's close in a word of prayer. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, we just come before You today and ask that You would speak to us through Your Word. So much is at stake, Lord, on the fact that Jesus rose again from the dead. And we believe it to be true, and we know what your word says and testifies, but strengthen us in these truths. Anchor them them deep into our heart. Drive them down as the, the foundations of trusting in Christ, that you are immovable, unchanging. Your word is true. Jesus Christ died for our sins and rose again from the dead to give us life. We praise you for that in your name. Amen. Jason's